1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, through to chapter 14, verse 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the one Spirit into the one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all given the one Spirit to drink, Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, well, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, Every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts? And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal.
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers... If I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there's all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If, then, I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts... Try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Righto. The decorations come out, the tinsel goes up. These days, houses get all lit up with a multitude of tiny, twinkling, coloured lights. Wives start dropping hints to their husbands about how beautiful certain items are in the catalogue. Reeling, of course, realising, not realising that if they'd actually used the word useful, they'd be, instead of beautiful, they'd be much more likely to get it. 
Some children write letters to Santa Claus and others tell their parents what they want. Of course, we're talking about Christmas. What do you ask for at Christmas? One year when I was a kid, my friend asked his parents for an Atari 2600 computer game with all the bells and whistles and a few games to go with it. Pong, Space Invaders and Pac-Man, which were the latest and greatest games of the day. I asked for a pig knife. Now, now guess what? We both got exactly what we asked for. Now, for the younger folk, I'm just going to put this a bit into perspective. When I was a kid, an Atari was the equivalent of the most expensive computer game. Like, this was a new thing to have a computer game that you could plug into your television at home. And they were very expensive. Now, in reality... It probably had about the same amount of computing power as one of those birthday cards that you open up and go, da, 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 da. Um, It had four kilobytes of memory. Now, that would be enough these days to store about one-tenth of one second of a song on your phone. Four kilobytes but it also had 128 bytes of RAM. Now, I know this sounds ridiculous, but back then this was cutting-edge technology and very expensive. So, as I said, it was like having the very latest and greatest. What is is the latest and greatest playing console now? An Xbox or a PlayStation? Jake's nodding his head. Um, Well, think of the latest version of them and multiply it by heaps because it was brand-new technology. My friend asked for one of them, and that's what he got. I asked for a pig knife, and that's what I got. Now, did I ask for the pig knife because I didn't want an Atari? No, I would have loved to have had an Atari. Wow. I mean, that was the first one I'd ever seen, and after that I'd go over and visit him and we'd play on it, and wow. But the thing is, back then my pig knife probably cost about $8.50, which today would be equivalent to about $50, This is dating me, isn't it? Um, Whereas the Atari would have cost about $200 back then and in today's equivalent about $1,200 today. Now, I thought I had a pretty good chance of getting an $8.50 pig knife and zero chance of all of getting a $200 Atari. And so I asked for what I thought I might get. Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts... What do you ask God for? Do you ask God for the spiritual gifts you really want? Or do you ask God just for the gifts you think you might get? Or do you not ask God for spiritual gifts at all? Today's reading tells us to eagerly desire the greater spiritual gifts. And what does that mean? Today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost is the day that we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming upon the church. Jesus told us that he had to ascend to the Father so that he could send to us his Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who gave Jesus power in his ministry. It's by the Holy Spirit that the prophets prophesied. By the Holy Spirit, the dead were raised to life. 
The blind were given sight. The lame were made to walk. The Holy Spirit, God living inside of us, gives us comfort when we mourn. He gives us strength when we're weak. He helps us to understand what God is saying to us in the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit leads us into God's will. He reminds us that we're God's children. And he always, always, ultimately points us towards Jesus Christ as our Saviour and as our Lord and as our refuge and as our strength. The Holy Spirit, he does all of this and even more. He gives to us the ability to be able to do what we cannot do. And to achieve what we in our own strength and skills and talents cannot achieve. And he does this through what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. Even in this one passage, there are heaps of gifts listed here. And I don't believe this is a complete list. It, it's a list of examples of different types of spiritual gifts. He lists the utterance of wisdom. Uh, sometimes we're faced with a difficult predicament and we don't know the right thing to do. And in these times, God can speak through a person who has a gift of wisdom so that we can know the right way forward and the problem solved. There's the utterance of knowledge. That's where you just know something about somebody or about a given situation and nobody's told you about it, but you just know it. For example, when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus was given a word of knowledge about this woman. He knew that she had been through five husbands and that she was now shacked up with a sixth bloke that she wasn't even married to. And Jesus used this knowledge to help direct the conversation around to God's purposes. Another gift is the gift of faith. And this is where we have a complete trust in God, a trust that he will provide, a trust that he will do, a trust that he will keep his promises, a trust that he will save. Then there's gifts of healing. That's being able to heal somebody, not medically, but with the power of God and prayer. There's gifts of miracles and workings or deeds of power. That's where God can work through us to do something that there's absolutely no way that we could ever do this ourselves. For example, the feeding of the 5,000, the crossing of the Red Sea. These are the workings of miracles. There's also the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is speaking out to individuals or to groups of people, giving them a message from God and laying down a choice of how they can respond to God in obedience. Prophecy is not usually about telling the future, although sometimes it is. The ability to be able to distinguish between spirits is another spiritual gift. Satan does his worst to try and take people away from God. He uses false teachers, he uses counterfeit miracles, and by demonic powers he performs signs and wonders. Sometimes somebody will rise up in a church and a lot of people think, oh, they're the best thing since sliced bread. You know, they can do this and they can do that and don't we really connect with this person? But there'll be a few there in that church who are deeply concerned because God has given them a sense of unease about this person. And in their spirit, they're grieving. Hey, this person, I know everybody's being taken in by them, but they're not of God. 
And that's the Holy Spirit warning those people through a gift of discernment. And I've seen it time and time again. These people will usually be proved right. And when children of the devil masquerading as servants of God are finally exposed and the poison of their ministry comes to light and the evil deeds are exposed, some people will say, oh, we never saw that coming. But the only reason they didn't see that coming is because they don't listen to those who have a gift of discernment. Then they're speaking in different languages, often known as the gift of tongues. And interpreting other languages, the gift of tongues um, doesn't connect with a lot of people unless there's somebody there with a gift of interpretation. Then there's apostleship, um, the gift of teaching, that's being able to open up God's word to help others to understand what God is saying. And then the gift of being able to help others and a gift of administration or being a leader or a guide. Now, these are just some of the gifts that are listed here. But when Paul tells us to eagerly desire the greater gifts, which ones are those? Out of all of these gifts, which are the greater ones? Which are the ones that God wants us to, to not just be happy to get, but to, to eagerly desire? I'll tell you which ones they are. They're the gifts that build up the church. They're not the gifts that might seem the most spectacular. They're not the ones that draw the most attention to themselves. They're not the ones that make us feel good about ourselves. The gifts that are most highly valued and that we should be seeking after mostly are those that build the church up. And the tragedy is we humans in our sinful human nature, well, we often seek the gifts that build ourselves up. But the greater gifts are not the ones that build us up, they're the ones that build everyone up together. You know, this letter to the Corinthians, it was written because they were not using the gifts to build each other up. They were placing a higher value on the spectacular gifts than what they were on the building up gifts. And they determined their own value and the value of the others by what gifts each other had. Oh, I'm more important than what you are because I've got these spectacular gifts. You can just see God working in me, whereas you, oh, your gifts, they're lame. And the whole place was a mess. And it seems that the one gift that they were using to draw attention to themselves more than any other, and we can see this because he just keeps bringing it out in that reading, is, is the gift of speaking in other languages. And their attitude was, oh, if you can't speak in tongues, you're not spiritual. And it's an attitude that does persist today in some quarters. But Paul just utterly demolishes that attitude. Now, I personally do not have the gift of speaking in other languages. I believe it exists, but I don't have it. I'm pretty sure, though, that if I started delivering the message this morning in another language, you'd probably notice, wouldn't you? Um, it wouldn't do a lot of you much good, um, particularly today. We've got no South Africans here today, but if I started speaking in Afrikaans, it might have connected with them. So it wouldn't do many of us much good, but boy, it'd be spectacular, wouldn't it? And you could go, oh, Michael's got the spirit today. And everybody would notice. But the purpose of the gifts isn't so that we get noticed, 
It's for the building up of the body. If I got up here today to teach like I am now, how do you know if it's my natural ability to speak or if it's a spiritual gift of teaching given by the Lord for his purpose? How would you ever know? Well, you probably wouldn't know, at least not straight away. But if you went to school with me, you might remember Michael the shy boy who ummed and ahed his way through his lecturettes and you'd find yourself thinking, wow, what's happened to Michael that he can get up and speak in front of people now? You see, I don't have a natural ability to do public speaking. It's only by the grace of God that he gives me a gift to be able to do what I'm doing today and to be able to teach about spiritual gifts and to hopefully develop our understanding so that we will eagerly desire the spiritual gifts that build others up. Now that's a gift that God has given me. So which ones are these gifts that are the greater gifts? Well, Paul starts listing them off. And he begins with the obvious ones, and he, he starts listing them as a bit of a hierarchical list. And the first, the first gift he lists, you and I, we actually don't have to worry about too much, uh, because the first gift he lists is being an apostle. Now, an apostle, uh, biblically, the apostles were the special sent ones. They were the first ones who were sent out into the world to begin churches. Now, these people had a special authority because they had experienced firsthand the teaching of Christ and they had been eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And so be very wary of anyone who claims to be an apostle today. There are people who have apostle-like gifts, so some people might think of a missionary as having a gift of apostleship because a missionary goes out into the world and plants churches in places where they've never been. Um, but they have an apostle-like gift, but they, can't actually, they don't actually have the gift of apostleship because these were people who, biblically, who actually saw the risen Jesus with their own eyes. And I guess the trouble is some people who claim to be apostles today um, actually have a history of claiming an authority for themselves that they haven't been given. So just be wary of people who claim to be apostles. The second gift he lists is prophecy. Now, when God has a message for a church, it'd be a good thing for that church to hear that message, don't you think? Now, do you believe that God still speaks to the church today? I think all of us would say yes. Um, and, one, of course, one of the primary ways he speaks to us is through his word. But biblically, we can see in the ch church, in the early church, that there were people with gifts of prophecy, where God would give a message direct to a church. And I believe this still exists today. Now, if God has a message for a church, for our church, don't you want to hear it? Therefore, when God speaks... He does it to build us up. And he does this through the gift of prophecy. The next gift he lists is the gifts of, gift of teaching. 
The three most important ingredients for spiritual growth are the practice of a prayerful presence with God, a hunger to learn, and a gifted teacher. We need all three of these in that order to grow spiritually. A prayerful presence with God, a hunger to learn, and a gifted teacher. A church may grow in number and regularity of attendance when they have a very pastoral minister, but rarely will there be significant and lasting spiritual growth within themselves unless there's people in that congregation with a spiritual gift of teaching. It doesn't have to be the pastor, by the way. Now, these, my friends, are the obvious gifts for building the church up. They're the ones that Paul lists. Prophecy and teaching. And, of course, apostles. Um, but the age of the apostles is gone. But we do still have their testimony in the, in the Bible. And we as a church, we should eagerly desire to see these gifts of prophecy and teaching present and practised within this church. And not just by the pastor. We should be praying, Lord, please develop the gift of prophecy. Please develop the gift of teaching in people in this church. Now, some people hearing this might be thinking, oh, no, 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 don't know about that. Um, I guess, you know, that prophecy business, that's, oh, that's all a bit out there. I guess the thing is, to, this is what we're being told in the scriptures. Eagerly desire this gift. Eagerly desire that God will give the gift of prophecy in this church. But obviously, not all of us are going to have one of those gifts, the gift of prophecy or the gift of teaching, but that's okay, because there's other gifts that build up the church as well. And he lists the gift of power, or sorry, works of power or miracles, the gift of healing, the gift of helping, the gift of leading, and then right at the bottom, he puts the gift of speaking in other languages, right at the very bottom. Uh, that's interesting when Corinth seemed to be making it their main thing. But here's the thing. He didn't discard this gift. Even this gift can be used for the building up of others in the church. And that's what it should be used for. So what gifts are you willing to ask God for? I wonder how many of us already have gifts that we're not using. God gives gifts as God determines. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, those gifts that will build people of the church up. Forget about whether it's a spectacular gift or not. God isn't looking for showmen. He's looking for a people of pure heart. He's looking for a people who love their brothers and sisters in Christ and who want to see them grow. He's looking for a people with so much love that they're willing to receive from God whatever gift God has determined is the right gift for them to have for the purpose of building others up. The Lord is not looking for talented individuals to work for him. He's looking for willing vessels for him to work through. 
I'm going to say that again. The Lord is not looking for talented individuals to work for him. He's looking for willing vessels for him to work through. That's the main thing. You know, sometimes we think of ourselves, oh, I'm not up to the task. I, God can't use me. But that's the whole point. He just wants you to be willing. And he will work through you. He will give you gifts that you will be able to do things in his power. It's not going to be actually you doing it. It'll be God doing it through you. And what an amazing blessing that is. You know, sometimes we can practice real hard and do something and practice and practice and practice and do it and it comes off reasonably well and we go, oh, yep, we managed to achieve that. But sometimes we, God calls us to something and, and we know that we're totally incapable but we're just in obedience. We just step up and say, well, Lord, I can't do this but I'm willing for you to do whatever you can. And then we just experience the, the amazing power of God working through us. Wow! Wow! What God has done. Amazing! Isn't that something to tell our kids and grandkids and what God has done? And you remember I started out this message, I asked, what, with spiritual gifts, do you ask for what you really want? Or do you only ask for what you think you might get? And I wonder how many of us have never even asked God for a spiritual gift at all. Maybe we don't feel we're good enough. Maybe we don't see ourselves as spiritual enough. Remember last week, we talked about the body. And we talked about how the church is made up of many parts, but we, we together form one body. And no one member is more important than another member. God gives gifts as God determines. He gives gifts to each one of us. Why? For the common good. We will have different gifts to each other. We won't all have the same gifts. Some of the gifts, yep, they'll be more spectacular than the other gifts. But they're not the ones that we are to earnestly seek. The greater gifts are the gifts that build up the church. My prayer for today is that you and I would receive the gifts that God has determined for us to have. The starting point is asking, well, are you willing for this to happen? But the real question we should be asking is, are we eager for this to happen? Are we eager to pray, Lord, I desire the greater spiritual gifts? Are we eager to pray, Lord, give to me whatever gift you've determined for me to have so that I can exercise this gift? And in so doing, build these people up for your glory. Is anyone willing to pray that prayer with me now? I'm sort of looking for a nod or a shake. We got a few nods? Yeah? Would you kneel with me as we pray? I don't know if we are all capable of kneeling, but 
I'd love to just humbly kneel as we pray this prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Without your Holy Spirit, we would have never have been moved to faith. People gifted by your Holy Spirit have shared your word with us. They've encouraged us. They've prayed for us. Some of us have received healing. Some of us have witnessed miracles. Some have spoken words of wisdom to us and others words of knowledge. Some have used your discernment to keep us on the straight and narrow. Lord, we give you thanks for the way that gifts in others have brought us to where we are today in the faith. And Lord, today we are willing no, we're more than willing. We are eager to receive whatever spiritual gift you have determined for us to have for the building up of your body. Lord, please fill us with your Holy Spirit. We eagerly desire your gifts to be poured out on us individually and as your church. Increase our faith, Lord. We place ourselves at your disposal for the building up of these, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we pray for the greater gifts. Lord, bring to this church the gift of prophecy and give us gifts of teaching. But not only these, whatever gift that will build your church up and glorify your holy name, Lord, give us these gifts to use in your service the gift of works of power, the gift of healing, the gift of helping, the gift of leading, the gift of faith, the gift of speaking in other languages and interpreting and administering. Lord Jesus Christ, come and power your church through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Lord, come upon us with your spirit in the way your church of old experienced your power. May we experience your power. Lord, there is a whole lost world out there who who need to hear the good news of Jesus, who need to be saved. And this can only happen through your spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.